This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-in-large and editorial cartoonist of Mississippi Today. Happy New Year. That's right. We're doing things a little bit differently today and sharing some of our favorite moments from 2023 with you. So join me and my amazing producer, who's got really cool, like Padme Princess Leia buns on today, Lacey Alexander, as we talk about some highlights from the past year. And these are going to be from moving conversations like belly laughs to talks of, of exciting future projects and some of the coolest guests we've talked to this year as well. We've had a great year and a big part of it has been you. I want to say thank you so much for listening. Um, you're a big part of the show and I really do appreciate you. The fact that you take that hour every Monday to come and listen to who we're going to bring in. And we had some fantastic guests last year and you know, it wouldn't be new year's without new year's resolutions. Um, I've got like a whole list of them that I'll totally ignore and I've already blown Uh, big problem. I've got, and I was sitting there listening to Malcolm talk about King cakes in the last show. I gained 10 pounds just listening to him and Carol talk about King cakes. So that is obviously resolution. Number one, I got to lose all the weight that I gained over the holidays from eating. Like there was no tomorrow because the lovely miss Amy can really cook. She's very good at that. And so she left me with lots of great, she went on a trip with her mom during, during the break between, Christmas and New Year's. So uh, she left me and my 16-year-old, which I can tell you that a 16-year-old can survive for a week on Pop-Tarts and Cheez-Its. It's incredible. I have uh, proven that just to let you know that. But it was an absolutely great Christmas, a great New Year's. Missed y'all, but it was good to take a little bit of time off to recharge the batteries. And Lacey, I know you've got a long list of New Year's resolutions yourself. Well, for starters, my one of my New Year's resolutions is to come eat the cooking of Mrs. Uh, Ramsey. Sounds like she's an A-plus chef. Oh, she is. And, you know, of course I am, too. But, you know, because I can definitely cook a cheese sandwich and a pizza better than anybody. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I just I told my therapist a few days ago my New Year's resolution was to just live healthy. Not a number on the scale, not to a pant size, not depriving myself of certain foods. I just want to be healthier. I just want to have my running shoes by the door, healthier options in the fridge. I just want to live longer. That's my New Year's resolution is to uh, make this make this body just a little – make it run a little bit smoother. Well, I mean, the thing about 2023 was it was just like the news. If you watch – and, of course, that's what I do for a living, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm tuned into the news all the time. It's a great way to get your blood pressure way off the charts. So I do every morning. I take my therapy walk is what I call them. If you follow me online, you see the pictures that I take at 4 in the morning of deer and sunrises and things like that. Or many sunrises at 4 in the morning, I can tell you that much. But I get to see some really cool things. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm Seriously, I'm going to be more in the moment. I want to enjoy things a little bit more because, you know, I'm getting to the age now. You're not, but I am. I'm getting to the age now where, you know, you start realizing, okay, I'm on the back nine. You know, I need to make the most of this while I'm going. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in a few things like meditation and being mindful and being in the moment and trying to eat a little bit better as well. But it's hard when I'm sitting there listening to Malcolm and Carol talk about king cake. Right. It's their fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally their fault. It, yeah, it's totally their fault I gained 10 pounds over the holidays. Right. So, yeah. Well, I think the two things that got me were Little Debbie uh, Christmas tree cakes. 
which those things, by the way, they, they inject them with something that's addictive. Uh, yes. They're, yeah. they're like drugs. They're quite good, and they, they take them out of the stores right before Christmas. So I, don't, I think they should wait till Epiphany uh, for them to technically take those out I of the store. I think they should be there year-round, Marshall. I do, too. I like the little <laughs> crunchy thing on them, I, which I'm not sure if that's like sugar or if it's just because they were made last year. But they were still quite good. There you go. And then on top of that, and then we're in king cake season, which is um, – did I mention king cake? Right. I'm hungry. And speaking of kings – uh, our first segment is uh, we've got a couple kings on there. What Two. a segue. Thank you. I am really proud of you for that. <laughs> I have finally, after the, doing 12 years of this show or 15 years or 100 years or however long, I finally got my first segue in there. Excellent. Excellent Thank you. job I'm very on proud that. Of myself. I'm pa- oh, I'm, Sorry I'm, to interrupt. Continue. No, no, that's fine. I absolutely that just pulled a muscle <laughs> patting myself on the back there. So, um, Kamel and, and Lee King. Oh, my gosh. I love both of them. Uh, I'm a big fan, of course. You know, every Friday I listen to Kamel. He's just really fantastic, really good on the radio, great guy. Lee is just a living legend. The man has seen and done everything. But when you put them together, it's like peanut butter and chocolate. It's just great because their chemistry together is so fantastic. And they were just feeding off of each other back and forth and back and forth. And, and it was like when I did the Rob J show, you know, I just kind of sat back and just said, oh, you guys just go to town and I'll just, uh, I won't say much. Uh, fantastic though. Like I said, I'm a huge Lee King fan. Uh, so it was great to get to spend a little bit of time with them and, and get down the air. And I think that y'all are totally going to enjoy this interview. I won a dance contest, a statewide dance contest, and as I was accepting the award for the dance contest, it was sponsored by a radio station. And as I was speaking to the audience, the the, uh, radio announcer said, well, say a few words. And... I did tell them what I thought about it and gave them a dissertation of that I was happy and all of that. And he said, uh, after I got through, he said, boy, you have an interesting voice. Have you ever thought of radio at 10? I said, said, yes, yes, Lion. (laughs) Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, And after that, he said, well, I tell you what, you come to the station with me and let's go over there and let's see if something you like about it. That's where it began. And he pushed me in the chair the second day and said, because I got cocky. I watched him. I said, oh, I can do that. And he said, oh, you think you can? He put me in the chair, and I had watched how he he uh, handled the board and for whatever reason knew what he was doing. And from that point, I was chosen to be a, uh, a part-time radio announcer on weekends. Still riding a bike. Yeah, you right. Know, yeah. You know, every time he tells that story, it goes back a year. By the next time you interview him, he would have been a, a toddler. <laughs> toddler. He was yeah. a toddler. He had to pull his <laughs> out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, that, that, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear that popping sound. <laughs> <laughs> Live. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it has this deep voice. Right, as a like, you too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh God! But I mean, seriously. I mean, obviously, it, there were no child labor laws back then. Apparently, no, especially not in radio station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care. They put you. And I, I got to tell you, the reason was a selfish one. Uh, the full-time radio announcers just did not have anybody to cover for them yeah. when holidays came up and when special occasions came up, and they didn't know anybody who could fill in in that slot. Yeah. So they called themselves training me to fill in those slots. I not only after I went through the training, I replaced some of them for their job positions because they didn't like to do 
uh, holidays and weekends. I loved it because everybody was coming into town on holidays and weekends. And that's the thing. You, you know, you never know about success in this business. A lot of times it's just who hears you or yes. who sees you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. on that. So, so, and, and like I said, you t- you know, the thing I always love about interviewing you is it's like it's always like a master class. Oh, thank on, you. On the business. No, hmm. and, and I mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm sucking up to you because well, I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you talk about the James Brown thing. Talk about, you know, when he got up on the stage and, you know, when he was asked up on there, he performed, right? Yeah, You've got to be ready. And you were ready when you got behind the mic. And i got to mm. tell you, everybody who's never done this, and you sometimes you can see guests when they come in and they've never done radio before, the mic can be pretty intimidating. Most certainly. And, most and certainly. having the energy to be able to fill up a room yeah. when mm. it's just you. Yes. That's yes. not yes. easy. Yes. No, it's not. Yes. So for you to do that at 10 or or is it nine? We, so we've been talking for a couple minutes. It's seven at this point, seven. Mark. Oh, wow. We may not make it till the end of the show. Right? Oh, my God. I was an infant. I was in the womb. <laughs> and, you know, here we're coming off Father's Day a little bit. And we talk about parenting for a half second. Come on. You, you, you obviously are doing what you're doing today because you watched him. Yeah. And not because he told you to do it. No. Because right. you watched And you are doing what you're doing today because your parents and you watched them. It's That's amazing right. how powerful that is. That's right. To give that influence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and the way you treat your family and what you do with your family dictates and oftentimes how your family is going to end up, mm-hmm. uh, where your children are going to be and where they're going to end up. So if you don't... Uh, push out an image that is going to be a strong image and an image uh, of, of challenges and that sort of thing, well, your kids are going to get kind of complacent and just go out in the street and do anything. But if they start looking at what you're doing and see that it's viable and it is uh, uh, something that you're adding to the community and to the world, they pick that up. You don't have to tell them. They, they'll see it. Yeah. They, they yeah. see how people come to you yeah. and, and respect you. So they they get that vibe. Oh, I've, I've, and, and he's right on that. I've watched him my whole life, whether it's somebody at a drive-thru getting a burger at Wendy's. Yeah. He is going to ask them, how's your day? And really mean it and talk to them and make them have a good day and give them a good word. Uh, we would go back to Baton Rouge, and I would see how people – really embraced him that grew up with him and all in the community, how he treated people. And the big thing was I would see when I was young and he would do concerts. Sometimes he would come home with a lot of money. Sometimes I would know he took big, big losses. But then I started meeting grown men and women who said, you know, I found out that your daddy paid me, but he actually lost money. And I started finding out integrity in your word and he always said your word is everything your word is your reputation never break your word and so that being instilled in me coming up as an attorney when you have privilege with clients and you can really take advantage of people or really help them he would always say even when i started out he said now you're about to be an attorney he said don't ever, you know, mess over a client or mess with their money. Always keep yourself up front. The first time you do it, you'll never stop, you know. And so yeah. he's always kept me honest in that way, watching his honesty and integrity. But that engagement with other people, like you're saying, caring, that empathy, caring about what they're going through. Also, yes. I mean, you talk about what you do with the tourism front. Yes. At the end of the point, if you make people feel like that they're welcome. Right. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. important, too. 
You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and we're back reliving some highlights from 2023. Now, 2023 was a newsy year, a lot of things going on. We had statewide elections, obviously. And so uh, those stories, obviously, the, the campaigns, that was something that affected me personally because I was drawing a lot of cartoons about it and covering that. But, you know, there were there were little quiet moments throughout the year, too. And You know, you watch the news, you see the wars going on first in Ukraine, and then you see them going on in Israel. And, of course, it's very stressful when you see the world seems like it's coming unhinged. And then something happens, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, uh, Rolling Fork, for instance, when you have a natural disaster. And it's really easy to lose hope. I don't know about you, Lacey, but, I mean, you know, sometimes I get anxiety watching the news, you know, just because it seems like there's so much bad going on. And then you get on social media and you see all the, you know, people shouting past each other and so forth. But at the end of the day, when you see something like a rolling fork, and we'll, like I said, we'll mention that in just a minute, but you see where good people come forward and they do good things and you see the hope that comes so forth. So, I mean, I think all in all, 2023 was a wash. It wasn't quite like 2020, you know, when we had the pandemic and it getting started. Uh, But, you know, there were a lot of challenges. And so I look back at some of the cartoons I'm probably the proudest of and One of them happened during Thanksgiving week, and I was actually off that week. I had gone back to Atlanta to go see my in-laws who were – they're not doing well health-wise, so it's kind of good for us to go back and see them. And Rosalind Carter passed away. And the former first lady obviously has lived an incredible life. She and Jimmy Carter had been married for – gosh, I forgot the number. It was like 5,000 years, the longest married of any presidential couple. And they'd had a real – relationship, a really, really uh, special relationship. One, I think those of us who are in the long-term marriage front, like myself, I'm now at 30 years, uh, you kind of respect that. You just respect the fact that they still obviously loved each other very much up until the very end. Well, I did a cartoon about that, and I think that's the one I'm most proud of because um, not only uh, did it go viral, but it went viral in a very good way. Uh, You know, obviously people that knew the Carters, they were reprinting it and so forth, and so that meant an awful lot. Um, there were there was a cartoon I did about Coach Barry down at USM uh, when, you know, they had an incredible run in baseball. Uh, he is a class act. He's somebody who's made a big difference in his his players' lives. Just, you know, you got to love a good coach, right? A good coach can make a huge difference on that. Coach Barry did. And so the fact that that cartoon did. You know, I look back, and, of course, a lot of the election cartoons were funny, and, and they had good impact. And, you know, I try to do that with my work. But sometimes when you can actually do one that can say, hey, good job. You know, that means a lot as well. I tell you what, um, we had Michael Orr on. Michael Orr, of course, you saw the blind side, right? Um, that was Michael Orr. And, of course, as we've come to find out, that maybe that movie wasn't exactly a totally accurate depiction of the truth. And it was something that you kind of got from Michael when you listened to the interview, that a little bit that I think he had his feelings hurt. And obviously, um, we found out about five minutes after the interview was over that he was not very happy with the Tui family. And, of course, that's when he launched his lawsuit, which we did not know about during this interview. And so uh, it literally he was walking out to the car when it broke on my phone on ESPN on that. So, But we did actually get him. He talked about the Tuohys a little bit uh, during the interview, and that got picked up by the Today Show. It got picked up, I think, like by the Daily Mail. Uh, got The impact literally went global of this interview. But – the thing that I kind of got from the interview, and I and I liked Michael. I really did. I liked talking to him. I thought it was a really good interview. I was very impressed with him. You know, he'd had a terrible concussion, and that kind of knocked him out of the NFL. 
And so he had to totally rebuild his life yet again coming out of that concussion. If anybody's ever had a concussion, I had one in 2016, totally changed how I, you know, everything from being able to read well to being able to to say coherent sentences. I had to relearn a lot of things. It's a really tough thing to come back from. And, and, you know, he got just literally blindsided on that. So the the thing you're going to get from this clip is the fact that you're going to find out how incredibly, I think, proud he is of the fact that, you know, he did the work and that he stayed clean and, you know, so forth. And And I thought that was the most interesting part of the interview. And at the end of the day, his book, of course, was When Your Back's Against the Wall is is fantastic. So, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, this segment, I think, is one that I enjoyed. But uh, this is a segment about his book, When Your Back's Against the Wall. I'm one of the I feel one of the tougher uh, people mentally, but I think it was a purpose. I know it's young people out there that's not going to get the opportunities or not going to be afforded the resources just like I uh, wasn't, but they're not going to be my size. They're not going to be able to play sports. They're not going to be in entertainment. You know, it's, yeah. They're not going to get those opportunities I got because of uh, what I was able to do. And for me, I want to be able to continue to give back to those who, because I know, I knew I grew up around so many of those young people who had they been given an opportunity, they would have been just as successful in something else. So all those things that I went through, uh, I, I knew it was looking back. I, it was a purpose behind it. And, you know, they say, would you do it again? I would probably wouldn't, but no, but <laughs> no, no I, I would because it builds character. Uh, it, it helped me become who I am. And the thrill of it all is seeing the young girls going through the or foundation this year who started school, uh, and will be afforded that education, uh, through the or foundation and through our opportunity, uh, program spotlight program. And they'll, that right there is going to change the trajectory of their life and they will be so much more. And I couldn't be proud, more proud or of anything else to be able to know that you're changing lives in that way. And, and all it took for me was to do the right thing. And that was easy for me just to do the right thing. And that was just going to school. That was going to school every day, uh, not getting involved in, the environment and the drugs and the gangs and, and I easily could, yeah. uh, I, you know, I was going down that path, but I saw a purpose and I started to separate myself from those other kids that I was around because, you know, I, I was, a have always been a, a leader by action. So you have to separate yourself and you have to understand that in order for you to reach and go where you want to go. We have special, Sometimes you have okay. to be alone. Yeah. We have special guest Michael Orr's in the studio. Um, his new book is When Your Back's Against the Wall. It's Fame Football and Lessons Learned Through a Lifetime of Adversity. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to meet you and get to talk to you a little bit. Uh, I was a fan before, but, <laughs> but, you know, I really do like the book. And, and not to spoil the book, uh, but I will say that it has a very happy ending because you were literally paying the blessings you've gotten forward. And with the Michael Orr with Foundation, how many kids are going through that right now? 
this year we got two that started Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. Awesome. We partner with schools uh, that have a great education background. And through the foundation, we place a success coordinator yeah. uh, staff inside the school. And it's about mentorship and surrounding the kids with community uh, and education is key. And what that su- success coordinator does, they're there for those kids every day. Something, it's a mentor, someone that they can talk to and they won't be able to get when they're at home. Yeah. Because I didn't have that until, you know, 16 years old. That's when I first started to see different people doing positive things. So to have someone, they're already in a great environment, but to have someone they can come and talk to and talk about life skills, talk about where I want to go to college, talk about career and where I want to be in life and surrounded by all of that mentally, geez, I mean, that's tons and tons of motivation and wow. I tell you, um, one of the gifts of being a creative person in Mississippi is the fact that Number one, we're not a very big state, so you're going to generally run into other creative people, whether you mean to or not. Our next guest, and before we take our final break, I want to take you back to an awesome chat I had with Michael Ferris-Smith. He's obviously author, screenwriter. Um, is I mean, He's now doing screenplays. It's incredible. He's a very, very talented guy. lives in Oxford. And we had a great conversation about artistic inspiration, creativity, and trusting yourself to be worthy of sharing those things. So let's go ahead and just jump right into this conversation because I I literally could talk to to Michael every other day. It's just a fantastic conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. The creative process and the creative time is the time for me to both – this is going to sound strange. It's a time for me to really engage with the world. It's also a time for me to detach. Yeah. from the world. And I think we could all use those moments during the day where we are not checking our phone or waiting for it to beep or just distracted by it beeping, whether we're expecting anything or not. I mean, that creative time is the time for me to just be in the silence for a while, which I think all of us could use probably every day. Sounds like it's almost a form of meditation. Yeah, I think it is. And, I, you know, I've talked about this some there, there are days when I walk out of there, when I've been there no time at all, and like the most, what I feel like is the most incredible thing came out of me, and I don't even remember how it happened. Right. You know, it's, it was just, you leave and you look at it and you're like, what happened? just happened? There's other days when you sit there and you feel every single word, and it's like laying bricks, and you're just trying to make it through <laughs> the day because you know this will get you to another day yeah. that's going to be better. But there are other days when you realize you take your fingers off the keyboard and you sit back and you turn around and turn on the coffee machine and you're just almost like, what just happened? And I mean, to me, that's always uh, been the most magical and rewarding and interesting thing about it to me. And that's the thing you can't explain to people either when they ask you, well, how do you do it? Where does this come from? You don't know. You don't know. I mean, it's it's an accumulation of a million things, but in the moment, you don't really know where it comes from. I've, I kind of did a loose tally. I think I've done like 9,000 cartoons since I've been here or something like that. But in some, the, my best ones are the ones that were the idea just comes yeah. to me. And, yeah. and, you know, I always tell people like we live in this world and then you can reach out and grab stuff and bring it back occasionally. Right. But, you know, and I'm not a writer, but I do write, but I'm not a writer. Um, I, I'm not an artist either, but I draw cartoons. But I mean, I, 
for me, when I'm writing or if I'm drawing, what I'm trying to do is I have this image in my head Mm -hmm. and I just recreate it, whether I'm drawing it or I'm writing it. And, And to me, you must get like incredible pictures in your head. And then you thankfully have a vocabulary that I don't have <laughs> that you can create this beautiful world or word picture, you know, yeah. is that how it works for you? Or are you just basically, or you're just stringing words together? And, and no, create- I think that's how it works. I'm very image driven. Yeah. Um, I've also been willing to let my imagination be very free and not yeah. be so concerned of the realism of things. Yeah. I've I've been willing to take chances with characters and places that I think has served me well. Very well. Mm-hmm. Um I've been willing to lay awake at night. I've been willing to have nightmares. I've been willing to I think be um bothered by the things um thinking about and writing about in an hour to hour basis and how it affects me as a person. I think I've been willing to do those things because I know when I'm um, off into that space and that head space and that soul space, the, it sounds weird to say, but the more affected I am by it, it feels like that's the mo- the more important the story is, or that's how I know this is the story I'm supposed to be writing. If I wasn't affected about it, if I wasn't, having a hard time sleeping, if I wasn't carrying it around, um, and if I wasn't a little confused and scared and uh, nervous about it, then it wouldn't be the right thing to do. And I think it, um, that was a lesson I learned early on is as a writer, whatever image it is, whatever darkness it is, whatever joy it is, you just need to dive into it and let it be what it's going to be without, um, um, almost without expectation. I think when you begin to put expectation on even like a scene, you you might be robbing it of that day's work because you're you've got it so set in your mind what it's going to be before you get there that that's all it can become and it can't become something else. And the days that are the best is when I have an idea of what I'm doing when I'm going in and I come out and something completely different has happened. And I I, I will always hold on to that because um I think the the risk taking of it and the ability and the um, giving your permissions to giving your permission to your characters and your to your story to live its own life, mm-hmm. I think is very very important. I can look at every novel I've written and I can see the moments when it really changed and became something I wasn't expecting. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I am your host Marshall Ramsey, and we're doing something a little different this week. We're celebrating the new year by looking back at some highlights from the shows that aired in 2023. And Jermaine Flood has joined us. Jermaine, it's good to see you again. Uh, it's good to be. Man, it's nice to be back. The team is back together. The team, some, it, it's back together we with got Lacey, Lacey here. Too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know what's kind of weird? Me sitting in the seat next to you. I know. You. You're not in your glass box yeah. like you used to be. I don't even know who I am on this microphone. Well, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year And thank you. you for all the great shows you produced. It uh, was just so much fun getting to work know, with you. and getting to work with you was fun, too. Oh, well, thank you. Gosh, you know, I'm, I'm blushing. I, as soon as they turn the cameras a, on, they'll see me blushing. It's an easy work. People, oh, well. people love to sit down and talk to you. It's fun. It really is. Yeah. I, I, something I've always enjoyed. And something that I really enjoy is getting out and traveling around the state and speaking to different groups. And mm-hmm. I was 
was very blessed to be invited to the Lower Delta speaking series uh, that they have in Rolling Fork. I remember. And so I went and drove to Rolling Fork, made it literally, because I was going to drive around town and look around a little bit, and I got to do a little bit of that. And I was going to stop at Chuck's Burger Barn mm-hmm. and get get a burger and everything, but I was running late. So I had to, to came in on two wheels at the library, spoke to about 60 people, incredibly kind people. The, the response was wonderful. Yeah. Sold a few books. That was nice. And then I went home. You yeah. know, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Like four days later, the EF4 tornado mm-hmm. burned right through the middle of downtown Rolling Fork, mm-hmm. killed, I forgot, like 16 people, right. um, just totally made this beautiful little town unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there that night. I remember watching that night. And number one, I am friends with the editor of the Deer Creek Pilot, Natalie yeah. Perkins. Yeah. And so I worried about her, obviously. I worried about some of my friends I just met. I didn't know how many people of the 60 people I just met had died. You right. know, I mean, I'm sitting there watching in horror as the first images are coming in and so forth. And so... We decided on the fly, you and I actually, and I think you had a big. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was just like we were literally like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna. We got Monday. It happened on a Friday. Yeah, we cobbled together, and we got we got people from different parts around the state that mm-hmm. had been affected by the tornado, affected and helping, with, and helping and helping with recovery. And that's you know I always talk about chains and saws and casseroles, mm-hmm. and um, I was really happy that you know Ben and Aaron they did that. Ben talked about that that chainsaws and casseroles right. thing. He mentioned me on that. But I really before you can get out of the rubble, there will be a church fan in your front yard full of people with chainsaws and casseroles because they're going to cut the tree off your house and they're going to feed you. And that's exactly what happened in in Rolling Fork. That was right. It's been, been, you know, if you lack any faith whatsoever in what's going on Mm -hmm. in the world, when you get to see something like that, you realize, yeah, there's still some good in there. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, I mean, the the production of that episode – it, it almost came together like it needed to come together. Yeah. Um, you had people on your end. I had people on my end that I were, that I was calling and getting in contact with, and everybody was game to come on and talk about what was going on. Literally boots on the ground type episode that we had there. Um, and it was very raw, and it was very real, and it captured everybody's emotions perfectly for that moment. And it was just a beautiful devastating episode. It truly was. And and I've known Natalie a long time. And Natalie's already, you know, she took over the Deer Creek Pilot. She's the editor there, but she also wears a second hat. She's mm-hmm. an emergency manager for the county. Mm-hmm. So she was like, when she wasn't working to get the newspaper out, and she did have some help. Scott Boyd, I know, uh, came and helped her as well. But mm-hmm. she deserves a Pulitzer Prize, to be honest with you, for getting the paper right. out, not only because the paper was very newsy and it gave the community the information that they needed, but also the fact that she was working nearly 24 hours a day. Right. And and so to hear her voice, to hear that she she should be in shock at this point, but mm-hmm. she's still clear and she has a purpose mm-hmm. and she tells the story in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. That was right. Really and was. and she, she really did. And then to couple that with everybody who we had on to, like you say, the casserole part. Oh, yeah. Um, my friend uh, Derek, who had come on, he was, you know, delivering meals. Oh, he, he was such an inspiration. Yeah, he was literally delivering yeah. meals to people. Um, and, and the diversity of the voices that we had on that episode was unmatched. Right. And we had people from different backgrounds, people from different, you know, economic levels who were either helping boots on the ground or who had the firsthand account. I, I came back, I guess I went down there two weeks after mm-hmm. the, and I drew a bunch of drawings from what I'd seen there. I remember going down to the coast after Katrina and absolutely being just gobsmacked at how mm-hmm. bad the destruction was. Right. And I haven't felt like that 
sense until I Roll drove into, you know, just going down 61 and all suddenly you're coming into town. Mm-hmm. And there was a convenience store and I stopped there and then literally the next building was gone. Right. And then from that point on, it was like a, a, a racer had run its finger through downtown. Yeah. yeah. You know what hits you the most is because when, when, when storms like that come through the state, you know a lot of people here are very marginalized people, no matter what walk of life or what background or diversity that they come from. And so to have everything wiped away from you in, in that instant and you not know what to do right, or where to move or what to say or to cry or to not cry, to help or to not help. I mean, it really does pull on your heartstrings when it comes down to, you know, making sure our people here in the state are taken care of because we are, we do have, you know, a big popul a populace of marginalized people. Um, and so because of that, you know, it really does pull on your heartstrings. Nobody just has money to, you know, help rebuild themselves over again like that. And, and I will say this, that Everybody from the federal government on down to local responders toward churches to everybody mm-hmm. else, they all came together and they like a symphony. Right. And it's just been amazing watching the recovery. That was a powerful episode. It really I, was. I, I have to say that was a powerful episode. By the end of it, I felt like we had did a, a big service um, to 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 putting the people out there who were on the front lines to to highlighting those people to letting people know where they can get resources um i I felt like the service that we provided that day was so big i it was just an emotional episode i think it's my favorite of the year it's my favorite of all time Uh, really really and really honestly in the 10 years i've or however many years i've done this yeah and you've done done this this. more than you've done this way many more years than me but yeah it's my favorite of all time because it was so real it was so in the moment we didn't have weeks to plan this it was at that minute, me and you, I think we had... We did on Sunday. I think we yeah. also bumped uh, an interview. Mm-hmm. I think we bumped an interview because of that that storm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we told the story, and then we allowed the voices to tell the story. Right. So I tell you what, without further ado, Jermaine, thank you for joining me. You're it's welcome. Good to see it you. was good. Happy was New good Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year. All right. So <laughs> let's take a listen. I went home for the first time because I couldn't, I just, I couldn't stay by myself. And my, my teenage daughter was somewhere the same with friends. And I went home and laid my eyes on her for the first time in 48 hours last night. And that's when it, it hit me. And as she and I sat on the bed and talked about what she had been doing, keeping people's children, had running a little mini daycare so that they could go help their friends and neighbors, the parents could, um, and listening to the stories. I'm sorry about her and the other children who are, you know, they're teenagers and they're out doing adult work. And, you know, it it just, it broke my heart and it finally hit me. And that was the first time I allowed myself to actually cry. And it's been hard to stop since. so, yeah, I'm not doing real good this morning. That's okay. That's okay. It's perfectly, I mean, I'm, A, like I said, I can't tell you how just grateful I am to hear your voice. And, you know, you see all the damage on television and it's you see it for two minutes and it has no context. But those are your people, you know, those are your are. your readers, your friends, your family. Um, Rolling Fork is that way. And it's, it's um you know, it's a pretty amazing town. And, and like I said, I, I I can't remember going to an event and being any warmer received than I was the other night. And I have worried yeah. about every single person in that room uh, since then. So, yeah, we, yeah. We, we live 
very close-knit community. We all know each other. We all love each other. Yeah, yeah, and and that love is coming out. I mean, it's it's pretty inspirational to see the response that people coming into town, and, and I know you've been a big part of that. Um, and, you're, and you know, you, you, you wear two hats, so you're doing two jobs, and, and you're trying to tell the story of everything that's going on as well. Where do things stand right now, and what are some things that people can do to help Rolling Fork? Right now, um, I, my newspaper hat is off. I've got to put it back on tonight and tomorrow. But um, I am the county's assistant emergency management director, and my, I have been emergency management. Yeah. Uh, and the let me just say, I have to I, I have to give the emergency response community in the state of Mississippi and volunteers from other states all the credit for what is happening in Rolling Fork right now, as far as logistics getting generators, getting our volunteer resource center going, um, the the search and rescue teams from the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. I mean, it's just, the it, it's been this machine that's just going. These people know what they're doing. And, and frankly, myself and and um, my, uh, my other counterpart with the county, we're, we are overwhelmed. We're exhausted. We're tired running on sheer adrenaline and um they're here and they come back every day and every every five minutes one of them's putting their hand on my shoulder saying we got this we're here for you and we're not going anywhere um but the response from people and volunteers and the donations that have come in have been oh that that's been overwhelming there are people cooking on street corners, giving out free food. There are There's so much water in Rolling Fork that every man, woman, and child would have enough water for a year. I think um, we just we finally had to tell people, don't bring any more water right now. Let us use what we've got. I want to end the show with one of Lacey's personal favorite moments from the last year. Bill Courtney joined the show just a few weeks before the year ended to talk a little bit about his community impact and his successful podcast. He closed his episode with a story educating us on the dangers of being selfish with our motivations behind activism and becoming turkey people. My first year at Manassas, um, I couldn't get the whole team to buy into the basic principles that I wanted to buy into. They were all buying into football, but half the team was buying into character, commitment, integrity, things we've talked about. And the other half the team, while buying into football, wasn't buying into that. And so I went to my guy and asked him what's up. He didn't really want to tell me. And I said, come on, man, you're not going to hurt my feelings. He said, coach, they're trying to figure out if you're a turkey person or not. And I'm like, all right, what is that? And he said... Every Christmas and Thanksgiving, people roll into our neighborhood and they give us gifts and hams and turkeys, and we take them because we ain't got none. But then they leave and we never see them again. Makes you wonder if they're doing that because they care about us or they're doing that to make themselves feel good. And he looked me dead in the eyes. He said, what are you really doing here, man? Mm. And, uh, you know, if you serve in soup kitchens or you give gifts away at Christmas or turkeys at Thanksgiving, that's a beautiful thing. The story is not to disparage that work. The question is, what's your motive? Yeah. Are you motivated by the simple edification of someone who's not as blessed as you, or are you motivated because of all the black 
back slaps you get for doing all the good things for people. And I'm just saying we got to constantly check ourselves because there is a certain euphoria that we get um, from the work that we do in our communities. We just got to keep grounded and, rem- and remain focused that our motive is for someone else, not for ourselves. And then it all comes back to you. And I'm living proof of that. I love Bill. I remember, I'm a big fan of Bill. I, I like him personally. But if you get a chance, listen to his podcast, An Army of Normal Folks. Um, he does what he does is he highlights people that are out there making a difference that aren't turkey people, which I still love that. I think turkey – I did a cartoon for him one time uh, showing people just throwing turkeys out of the car and so forth. It's pretty funny. Lacey, I tell you what, thank you, by the way, for your part in making 2023 a fantastic year. I think it was uh, – as you can tell by these clips – there were a lot of really great interviews this year, and it was a big part because of you. You're, of course, the one who drives the bus on helping us get guests, getting, helping me find guests, and helping me with the interviews and getting the scripts together. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, I hope that I sound grateful because I'm over-the-top grateful for what you do and what you uh, provide for the show every week. Well, Marshall, I am grateful for you and the work you put in, but I have to give. Even really- though you're an Alabama fan, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I took great glee that you were disappointed this year. I, you know? Many people were. Yeah, you know, so. everybody else got to be happy except me. But I, I will. Oh, s- hang on, let me get out my little tiny violin <laughs> here. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah, you I, can, we love each other. Yes, we do for for whatever reason we do. I don't know. But what? I, thank you, Marshall, for saying that. But I am really glad that we got to talk to Jermaine a little bit because I took the reins a little bit later in the year and a lot of the segments that I... Please don't give her any more credit than... (laughs) I mean, you know, we barely got her out the door because her head's swollen. Oh, come on. Jermaine's a rock star. She She is wonderful. She's she's going great places. A lot of of the clips that we played today were because of work that she put in. I I took the reins on your show a little bit later in the year and, and man, Jermaine, anything she touches is gold. She deserves... Every award in the book for yes. the for the Rolling Fork episode. Absolutely, that was just a fantastic episode. It was. And it was very newsy and it was very very poignant and very powerful. And last minute, I mean, I loved hearing her talk to you about how this episode came together in just a few days. But that's the way we're going to do it. I mean, you know, this year, if something big happens and so forth, we can be flexible and we'll, yes. we'll make sure we get the guests that you want to hear. That's yes. the bottom line is, is is the listener. We want to make sure that, you know, not only are you getting entertaining people that you can learn because we want to brag on Mississippi a little bit, right? Because that's what we do here at MPB is we tell Mississippi stories. Mississippi stories deserve to be told. Yeah. And so I'm glad that we have this platform to make that happen. And what we were talking about New Year's resolutions earlier. Yes. And I think my New Year's resolution for this show is to be a little bit more relaxed. I mean, we do such a good job on this show of just having a conversation and getting to know the real person behind the microphone instead right. of making it a CNN-esque, very serious, buttoned-up interview. Right. It's always very conversational. Well, you are in luck that I am your host because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to make me serious. It, it really is. I mean, you and I are cutting up the second you walk in the door in the mornings, but I think my New Year's resolution for this show specifically, we already have fun, but I want to have even more fun in 2024. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we got to get a little bit of humor into it, but also too, like you said, and and I want to tell everybody, I don't sit and, I mean, it probably drives you crazy, but I don't have 20 questions where I have to burn through all 20 questions when I'm talking to you. Right. What I have when I'm I'm sitting here talking to the guests, it is a conversation, just like you and I, we're we're sitting next to each other on airplane, and believe me, these days, make sure you have your seatbelt, so in case the 
window gets blown <laughs> right, out. Right. Don't fly Air Alaska anytime soon. By the way, they did find the, the a lady in Portland found the window. I hope she keeps it. Yeah, I would too. I would, <laughs> how cool. Talk about a conversation yeah, piece. Yeah, seriously. So, but um, no, I mean, it's all about, so I mean, I'm sitting there talking to the guests and it's not like, oh, I got to get to my next question because that drives me nuts me when I hear hosts do that. And I know exactly what they're doing. They're thinking, well, what I've got to say is way more important than what you guys say. No, I want to hear. And, you know, the the conversation may go off in another totally different direction, depending on what they're saying. And so I want to make sure we get that kind of fluidity uh, on the show and make sure it just stays really real. It's fun. And like I said, the whole point of 2024 is that we're going to tell those stories and we're going to have a good time doing it. Right. And we want to get to know these people. And the best way to do that is to have, like you said, a casual, conversational, open, you know, moment with them. And not to sit them down and to just – you don't want to just pull information out of somebody. You want to get to know them as a human being. Right. You know, and you want to hear their stories in a really candid way. Well, I mean you think about that. You Just going back, just listening to Michael Ferris Smith, him talking about his creative process. I mean that was really in the weeds, but that was really cool. I mean I learned a lot from it. Yeah, I did too. Uh, a couple things. As a as an old theater major, that was a really, really interesting. Uh, See, I think that's just incredibly cool. You were a theater major. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, are you shocked that my loud self did theater for a little? No, while? I mean you're so shy. Yeah, right, right. So quiet. So quiet. Now we we do have some incredible guests uh, lined up coming up. We've got Eddie Payton's going to be on the show. Yes, he is. I, you know. Eddie is one of those people that I have been a fan of. Of course, you know, for years he's been at Jackson State. And, of course, his brother's Walter. But he's also I – mean, Eddie's a legend in his own right because he, right. he was a golf coach for years over there. Just a huge impact at Jackson State. And anytime you can have a good coach, they're going to be fantastic, right? Because, I mean, they're just great storytellers. And he's got so many great stories. So he's going to be good. And we're going to drag Bill Ellison in on the show. Kicking and screaming. And kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know, Bill is so modest. But I mean, yeah. the, the thing about so cool about Bill is Bill's had so many different lives. You know, I mean, he's a talk about a total radio pro. And he was in the middle one. You know, anyway, I don't want to get too far into what the conversation is going to be with Bill. But I mean, Bill was here during the 70s when incredible rock and roll was going on. Was You know, he was a big part of that. And of course, his musical legacy and, and what he's done here at MPB. Bill's going to be fantastic, too. Talk about a creative in so many ways. You know, creative in the radio sense, creative in the music sense. And I'm sure he has a different, beautiful process for all of it. I'm I'm really excited about Bill, and I'm really excited about Mr. Payton because Jackson State is bringing their golf program back after yeah. not having it for a few years. So I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about that too. Yeah, I'm sure because he's, he's so shy. Yeah. So that's one of your other resolutions to get past your shyness. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I tell you, um, you know, 2024 is going to be a good year. Do you normally keep resolutions? Do you normally make them and keep them? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> but maybe maybe this year, since it's a little bit more simple, we can make it happen. Yeah, I know. I was sitting there thinking, uh, you know, one of my goals is not to procrastinate. And I'm sitting there doing this on January 5th. So right. writing this down going, <laughs> right. I don't know. You already shot yourself in the foot. No, it's just, but I was sitting there thinking about when I started the show. I think it was in 2012. Wow. I think. I'm trying to remember. You know, 2012 or 2013, and, and Sharita Brent, Rita mm-hmm. Brent, the great Rita Brent, was mm-hmm. my producer for many, many years, and uh, just fantastic. And it was just, I remember one day she came up to me and she said, I, I'm thinking about going into comedy. Okay. And I said, you know, because she was very, very quiet, and you're just like, 
I, yeah, I think you're going to be great. Go for it. Make sure the boat's close to the dock so you don't jump off into the water. Right. Man, talk about somebody whose career is just, and it's, she reinvents herself all the time. So, I mean, that's, we'll have to get her back on sometime. We, that, yeah, that's a good idea. I get her on about every couple of years or so and just talk to her a little bit about how things are going. Go down but, memory lane. Huh? Well, memory lane, but she's such an inspiration to me personally mm, as somebody mm-hmm. who can reinvent yourself and so forth. But uh, she does a lot of writing for award shows and she probably should have written for the i don't know if she did write for the golden globes last night but the host was having some trouble last <laughs> night i don't even i don't even know who he was get, so. get rita back in there i didn't you know and i did not win a golden globe and i was quite upset about that <laughs> right right. So, and i nominated kevin smith for i mean kevin um Farrell, kevin smith same thing <sighs> we were doing so good up until the end of the show and then the wheels came off all right well I just want to say thank you for listening this year and every year. And Happy New Year. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app on our MPB Public Media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio with episode and podcast produced by the one and only Lacey Alexander. Hey, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is coming up next. So join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Y'all have a great week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 